This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Welcome to another edition, another episode of Unlocking Astrology with the key master himself, the unlocker, Mr. Samuel Reynolds. Hello there, sir. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Well, uh, this this has turned into a thing, uh, a thing I didn't know was going to be the thing that it is now, which is an exploration of countries. And I didn't even know you could read a country's chart until you did Africa, until you did Black people. I was like, oh, you did America, too. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, well, so what's up with China? So we just did China part one, one chart um, for the People's Republic of China. Yeah. That, now, what's the, the the latest chart? And hold on, let me uh, make sure. Well, that, that is the latest chart. Now, if we're still talking about the People's Republic of China, which is what I'm you know, prepared for, um, then you know, it's different to talk about Taiwan, which is what we're, um, which is a different chart, which is the, I think the the 1010 chart that um, you were asking about because they're going toward a hundred years, you know, um, 110 years, sorry. They've already done their centennial in 2011, but in 2021, it's gonna be 110 years for them. Um, <clears throat> and Taiwan, just looking at a little bit of their history, right? As long as they are recognized or not recognized as China, I think China is satisfied, but I think the moment we, you know, for whatever reason, shift the dynamic between the United States and Taiwan, we may have a, we may have a different issue. What I, I do want to show, because <clears throat> I didn't know where you wanted to go, but I wanted to talk about <clears throat> looking at the dual charts between the United States or one of the United States' charts and China. And um, that was really, I hadn't looked at that before. And that was really revelatory for me to look at the dynamic between the United States and China, um, both realizing that there are countries with moons and Aquarius. So let me explain that. So China is on the outer wheel for those who are, and, and this takes some getting used to. So if anyone's looking at this, and especially if they're not an astrologer or trained or and they feel weird, that is all right. You, you should feel a little weird because I know many of my students who have been studying astrology, when they look at what this is called a bi-wheel, they kind of like, I don't know what I'm looking at anymore, right? So just to be clear, in the inner part here, the inner circle, you're looking at the one chart for the United States of America. On the outer circle here, you're looking at the chart for China, which is what we looked at last week. So we've just superimposed them on top of each other. That's all that's happened. So if um, before you get into the weeds, um, the first time you saw a chart, did because uh, I know you, you evolved into becoming a believer or a person who uh, believes that this stuff is real. Um, but when you first looked at a chart, what, what were your thoughts? It, it struck me. And so I, I actually have that chart still, and it was drawn by hand, you know, using a compass, and it was big, right? It wasn't like- Was it your screen. chart? Yes, it was my chart. Okay. And it was splayed on the table. Um, so it was kind of big. And when I looked at it, 
And I looked at these symbols. I was like, I don't know what any of this means. And I was a skeptic, as you just kind of recalled. And my skepticism came also in the like, you know, I had a moment where I'm like, this looks like we're about to do a seance. Are we going to summon demons? What's going to go, you know, because it was splayed out on the table like that. So I was like, these are magical symbols. What are, what's going to happen? So it was a different experience for me. Um, so, yeah, that's that, my, that was my first, you know, reaction. Like, I don't know what this is. It's the squiggly lines on paper. And so now, maybe, now, is that how now, it looks to you or? Huh? Does it still look like squiggly lines on paper to you? No, I mean, be, um, so, so, you know, I'm familiar with a lot of the symbols because, you know, we, most of us are indoctrinated into astrology on some level. So, you know, of course I could pick out, oh, I see Taurus. I see I, the symbol for the woman, the, you know, there's a symbol for the woman in there. The the horseshoe, I think is something I've seen before, the half moon or the, the quarter moon. I've seen that before. So these symbols are not unfamiliar. You know, um, are those a symbol for men and women? The the red. Yeah. The, so this is Mars. Okay. This symbol here for Mars, or Mars and Venus conjoined. Okay. So yeah. Close to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and now you know the sixty nine. What is that? Cancer. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that looks like. So so the symbols are not unfamiliar. Um, and then um the the symbol for a woman with the demon uh, horns on top, with the purple uh. You keep you told me what this was. Is that Uranus or Uranus? Yeah, yeah, Uranus. Yeah, just to Uranus. avoid the joke. Right. Uranus is a woman with horns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what they look like to me. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, that's fair enough. So you know, looking at the two charts, you know, and then looking at the United States, imagining the United States as a moon in Aquarius, because we're using one particular chart. And like I said, a nation <clears throat> can have multiple charts. I mean, China has a few charts as well because the 1911 um, revolt is still for China, right? In a sense, I mean, not in a sense, but literally it is for China. And then it becomes Taiwan for those who left mainland China for, during the People's Revolution in, in, the, in the 1940s, late 1940s. And so, <clears throat> there's still a couple charts we can use for the United States, but I use what's called the Sibley chart and it has the moon in Aquarius. So what does that mean? Why do we care? Like they both have the moon in Aquarius. So one thing that's interesting is the United States is a republic. China is a republic, which is the idea that people have representation, that the people are important, right? That's what we say. That's what our governments say. And <clears throat> The moon in Aquarius for the modern astrologer is also associated with the, the notion of freedom, the idea of progress and mobility advancement. And that's similar to what, what our founding, quote unquote, this country's founding fathers uh, proffered. And this is the same thing that Mao Zedong also proffered to the people of China in terms of progress and the great leap forward and bringing China into the, into the future <clears throat> and into modern times. So both countries are going to have an emphasis on advancement. Now, the question becomes, and you've brought this up a few times, Karen, advancement at, at the cost of who, right? Is it really going to be 
<clears throat> for the actual advancement of people and for the people, by the people. And that's where we get into some, you know, thorny questions um, within each country. Now, with each country, you might say, like, well, they have the moon in Aquarius. Does that mean then they have something in common? If, he was, if these were people, would this be something that might be some sense of connection? Actually, yes. And the United States does have a, a longstanding, or not longstanding, but a building relationship with China, even though it's kind of been volatile. But there's been especially a, a mutual sense of benefit where we could benefit each other's people. Like our people want products. And then China's like, our people want to make products and make money. So like, okay, let's work together. And that's what has been mostly true. Now, whether that will still be true depends on some things that are coming up in terms of transits to Aquarius, as I mentioned last week. One thing that's interesting that struck me, I want to point out, you were talking about this particular symbol, which looks like the symbol on the back of a cobra, right? <clears throat> um, or upside down, horseshoe. Or upside down, horseshoe. Omega, Omega sci-fi, something. Yeah, okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I never thought about that relation to the cues. But that's called the South Node. And the South Node, I usually describe as the giant sucking noise that we hear or feel or sense within the cosmos. Things that pull whatever's in this world as we describe this world into the other world, whether that's the past, whether that's the sense of spirit, whether it's that the realm of spirit, but it definitely takes us into the realm of, when I say past, some people designate this related to past lives or in terms of the ancestors or just in terms of your past, like your immediate past. So the South Node for the United States is roughly or closely conjoined to the moon, um, China's moon in Aquarius. So what that really kind of highlighted for me, something I hadn't thought about before, is that China may be concerned that somehow the United States will diminish its sense of, of peoplehood and power. Um, that in some way it can feel threatened by encroachment from the United States. Now, the United States has been a political power, um, an economic power in relation to China, but uh, it wasn't much of a colonial power. I do know that the British were more so, and the Americans somewhat in different parts. Um, but I think China perceives a certain, you know, um, greed or sense of consumption from the United States, which I think is actual in fact. Um, so that is one thing that is highlighted in the dynamic between the two countries. The other thing I wanna point out is that this is the United States Saturn. I wanna talk about the United States Saturn in Libra for a quick second in a tangent, and then I'll come back to talk about it with China. This Saturn, like what convinces me to use this chart consistently, even though not every astrologer likes to use the Sibley chart, is that 14 degrees Libra, that's what I'm pointing to, 14 degrees and around 48 minutes where Saturn is, is literally what was rising, the actual ascendant, when the first plane hit the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. 
That was the exact degree. Wow. And <clears throat> Mercury was also rising near that degree. Now, what strikes me about that Saturn, now going back to China, is that Mercury is conjoined to that. Now, <clears throat> Saturn deals with serious matters. It can deal with, <clears throat> you know, things from the Earth because it rules Capricorn. So a lot of the United States' um, you know, hard minerals and things that we use related to building technology or constructing things comes from China. And this is Mercury, the sense of commerce, right, is right there connected to the United States Saturn. So <clears throat> a lot of the building that happens or has happened in America has a strong tie to you know, this chart. Now you can say, well, that's been true for the last, you know, 50, 60 or so years. But I think, you know, even though this chart is dated for October 1st, 1949, the Chinese were also instrumental in building different parts of the West, right? You know, in terms of how we talk about the railroads and different things out West. I mean, we definitely had more of the North and the South in terms of when I say we, meaning Black Americans, but in terms of the Asian contribution specifically from the Chinese, that's also clearly designated and discussed in this chart. Now, <clears throat> China's South Node is pretty close to our Saturn. So I think where we feel a threat from China is that our sense of structure, the materials that we build with and have, we don't, we don't trust that that will stay firm, right? that this is some way in which um, the Chinese might pull out, pull back or whatever collapse and we don't have enough real infrastructure. I think that should be a real concern for the United States. Well, you know, there's a lumber shortage right now. Mm -hmm. We had that pipeline issue. For those of you who are, whenever you're watching it, right? Last week, there was a hack that some are tying to Russia, but Russia doesn't really necessarily act on its own and who's actually funding, you know, the whole thing. Cause Russia is basically a broke nation. Interesting. And building mm -hmm. materials are going to be very much uh, sparse. And there's a, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. So I think this is another, and you know, why it's important to mention these things is going back to this planet for a second, Uranus, which I've talked about, um, is remember that we're talking about a slow build. It's, you know, I talked about Go last time and I don't know, I'm sure you've done some research on Go since then and you've been interested in it and whatever. But, you know, I used to play a lot of chess and chess, if you're not playing speed chess, is a slow moving game, right? Yep. And we're talking about some things happening in slow motion that could lead to potential conflicts. And we'll be, you know, and when I say potential conflicts, I don't want to spell out, nor am I trying to scare anyone saying like, it's inevitable. You know, China and the United States are going to be at war. But watching things happen in slow motion means then we can pay attention to these little things that are happening or what seem to be little things and, you know, start to intervene or ask questions to our government or say to our leaders, you know, what will, is there something else we can do or why are we, you know, sending more troops or doing more of this in these particular places? Um, 
all these different questions that we can start to ask as citizens. Now, that may have limited power, right? For those who believe like citizens really have no power um, in, in terms of governmental affairs, but damn if we don't, we shouldn't try. Right. Um, so I but, think that- uh, As you're talking though, the slow movement has been happening all along, you know, like this is at least 30 years in the making. Yes, although, I mean, with some points of optimism, right? I mean, you know, maybe in the 90s, it was a very exciting time, you know, to see what was happening with, you know, China and the United States in terms, we were getting the products that we wanted, mm -hmm. right? We were happy, right? And then I would say even to the, the first half of, you know, the first decade of the 2000s, it's only probably in the last 10 years where there's been an increasing concern like, yo, what's going on with China, right? Not just in terms of their military might, which, you know, Mars, Pluto, this is the signification I talked about before. Um, what that means is that China is very much concerned about having a sense of might, you know, and building their sense of might, which is proven true. I mean, they have, I think, <clears throat> I don't want to quote the wrong number, but they have maybe a, a million strong in terms of their army. Um, I don't know in terms of their navy. I think it's more than that. Maybe more than that. That makes sense. Um, <clears throat> but you know, they've been building up their navy. They've been doing more um, ways to secure the Pacific, and you know, the Pacific is is critical, not just for the United States in terms of getting those hard minerals that it needs, but also being able to support other allies, you know, whether that's Japan or Taiwan. And the Japanese, I mean, the Japanese, the Chinese have been fast building their military over the last 20 years um, to kind of be able to have a counter influence in the Pacific to the United States. So, it's 2.1 million in there. Yeah, active uh, as of 2021. And when I was saying that this has been going on for 30 years, I think China has been even the the exchange of goods was with a purpose. Like I don't think that you know that was just you know happen chance for good relations. Blah, blah. I think they've always. It's just now that we're like, oh wait a minute, you you own debt, you own our debt, you have all of what you can, you bought up all of the chips. Wait a minute, what? We can't well, mutual. Yeah, it's, a, it's an aspect of mutual benefit. I mean, this is kind of the, the ways in which we could have the moons having some alignment by sign. And then the other thing, Uranus is close to the Jupiter for the United States. When Uranus hits a planet like Jupiter, it usually does signify a boom. You know, some way it, it registers as a benefit. And for China, they see you know, our mercantilism, Mercury as opposite to their Jupiter, our need for communication products and other particular things um, as a boon for them. And it has been a boon for them, right? Um, it's helped them in developing and working with technology that they make and manufacture in China. It's also led to a boon um, in communications and different things in China. And some measure of their communication and their social media and outlets are more advanced than ours, right? So I think 
there's a way in which the countries, if we were talking about them as people, it's like in business, you do very well, right? Now, if we were talking about more amorous relationship and sense of connection, I would say that there's some more internal challenges. The United States, um, when I say internal challenges, just to make up, let me go back for a second, because I, I talk, and I'm going to be talking about synastry even this weekend in Australia via Zoom. A lot of people think the magic of synastry, which is how we look at the energy between two people or two things or two charts as representative of two people. They think synastry is just like, oh, if I combine this with this, then we'll hit it off. And that's a very simplistic understanding of synastry. You have to look at each chart separately and the dynamics within each chart and then see how they combine. So let me give you an example. A person may say, oh, his Mars and his Mars-Uranus combination or conjunction is trying my Venus. And that means that that is really good and good for our sexual activity and sense of love. That can be true. But let's say that guy that we're talking about has a Mars-Uranus combination along with, let's say, what we call an internal tension or square with his moon. So he's a very volatile temper. So he's pretty angry. And he hasn't done any work psychologically or spiritually to get the better manifestation of that, that placement. What that trine between that Venus on one end with that woman who says, oh, Venus trying to his Mars Uranus, could suggest is it just makes it easier for him to hit her, right? Mm. And be more volatile and express his volatility. Oh. So we have to look at the dynamics between charts first within charts. So one of the things that I observe about, you know, China's chart, you know, the moon is very close to the ascendant, but I look at this Venus, Mars, Pluto, um, combination. So the sense of control, the sense of how one regulates Venus pleasure and the understanding of how we have a sense of connection, that's tightly regimented in Chinese society and culture. Well, I should say society um, or according to this chart. So that's very important to understand as one part of the dynamic between, you know, with, with, with China. Now, what this means for the United States, if we look at their Venus, Mars, I mean, like they're in different signs, but they're not too far from each other. And one of the things, and Venus has a, con a connection to Jupiter and then also widely to the sun. The United States is almost like the opposite where there isn't necessarily this sense of regulation or kind of keeping control. It's like live free and, and, and have as much freedom and pleasure as you can stand mm -hmm. um, and as you want to enjoy. So if we were talking about these as people, this might be a very challenging relationship romantically or amorously or in terms of sociability. Business-wise, like the things that we talked about with Mercury and Saturn and then the moon and then between Jupiter and Mercury, these things are favorable, but there's ways in which these two countries would have to work 
and probably should work harder on understanding each other. You know, mm. um, and I think there's some measure of the Chinese because they have, you know, this moon at their ascendant, they're gonna be a different kind of insular. They're not necessarily looking to just understand as much as what you were saying earlier, um, to look out for China. United States right. wants so, to- so, so where's the pain point, right? Like if, if you're looking at this chart, you know, yes, we can exchange, we're opposite in terms of our, our collective personalities, our, 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 our personalities as nations. Where's, where's, where's the conflict on this chart? Where and when? So one of the things that, you know, we will have to watch out for is the point of contact and the point of connection is this Aquarius sensibility between the two, two charts, the two countries. And as Saturn, and mainly Saturn, um, starts to go deeper into Aquarius, this will become one particular trigger over the next one or two years. The next turning point is as this planet, Uranus, right, is also starting to, to challenge the other fixed signs, meaning there are four fixed signs, people might recall. Mm -hmm. There's Scorpio, there's Leo, there's Aquarius, and then there's Taurus. As Uranus gets deeper into Taurus and starts opposing this Venus, what we call squaring this Mars and Pluto, meaning it's at 90 degrees, and then going toward the United States moon, each country may start to feel triggered. Now, I think China will start to feel triggered first, which interestingly enough, you know, I'm curious to know what that might be. It could be, you know, the United States stepping up more of its activities in the Pacific or engaging in some particular action, either support of South Korea or Taiwan or Japan, which then activates this Mars-Pluto um, connection for China where they feel the need to have to be defensive or protect themselves, which is again, something that comes more online in 2022 into 2023. Mm. Now, would it be possible to do China, Russia, and the United States? Yeah. And I mean, we can do that for sure for next time. Um, we could look at, and I might suggest maybe we look at the dynamic between Russia, because Russia is a great example of having a couple of different charts, because there's going to be the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, mm -hmm. right? And then the USSR, it's going to be the, the USSR. Yeah, yeah, or the CCCP. Right? right? How are you going to look at it? Right? Um, or then we can look at the Russian Federation because the Russian, and I was thinking about this, the USSR, um, you know, was always kind of a challenging proposition, right? Because you were trying to weld together republics that historically didn't like each other and didn't necessarily like Russia. The Russian Federation even though it does still try to tie in some of those former or now you know, republics, um, is largely directed by Russia itself and by, you know, by the Kremlin and specifically 
by um, Putin. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic. First, so maybe next week, what we'll look at is the Russian charts, then look at that in relation to the US charts. And if time permits, we can get to China, which for those who also know their Bible and know exegesis related to the Bible, when we're talking about Russia and China, it's believed those are Gog and Magog. Magog, yeah, in Revelations. <laughs> now, that's the thing that I've actually studied. I wonder how that lines up. I've, I've been a student of Revelations for a long time. I always like to go to the end to see how this thing's going to turn out. And uh, I'm always like... Or turn out again. The, the, the funny thing about the book of Revelation, you know, is that it's played out in certain ways before, again and again, right? depending on how you want to read it, whether we're talking about Revelation 13 related to, you know, the idea of who the Antichrist is. Mm -hmm. So some believed it was Caesar, right? Um, so that's one particular dynamic. Really? So, really? Mm -hmm. How? How, Sway? How? how um, in terms of the number of, well, it's, when they say the number of a man, it's the idea of a human being, right. not just a particular person. Um, because I even thought it was Ronald Wilson Reagan because he has six, yeah, we all, six, six I mean, six. yeah, yeah, and he was he was evil enough. Um, <laughs> you know, um, go ahead. But there's one particular way in which I saw an astrologer and occultist break it down where if you use the idea of magic squares that it related to the Roman Empire, and then you know, the seven hills, you know, related to Rome. Um and, you know, because Rome is on seven hills. So it yeah, was but all, all of that didn't bring Jesus back, which is the crux of why Revelations is, you know, it's all about Jesus coming back on that cloud and the end and then the thousand year reign of peace. And then, you know, like it's it's all of that. Be, be, beware, you know, pregnant mothers nursing women, you know, this time you will, you know, yeah. you want death and it won't come like that didn't happen during the Roman Empire. You know, I'm well, sure there were horrific things, but everybody going through something and wanting. But every death. generation, every generation since the Book of Revelation, yes, has kind of believed, you know, the millennial were... apocalyptic true aspect of it. You know, I found a book from my grandmother. Um, you know, my grandmother was born in 1900, and she, you know, her book thought when we invented or the Gatling gun was invented that that was the beginning of the end. You know, so there's all these different ways in which we have thought, you know, even let's take another one. America is a very good example of speaking about, you know, early America. So do you know why Harvard University or how Harvard University became like Harvard? No. It was initially for the training of ministers who were there to prepare the American population for the coming of the new age, the new world, right? Um, and when I say the coming of the new world, they believe they were going toward the apocalypse. And so it was training these ministers to be able to do that. When it didn't come, as usually it doesn't, right? Harvard then decided, oh, then we should stabilize this. This is a good thing and make it into a stable institution in university or college, then become a university. Well, I don't think they were wrong. They just got their timing off. And uh, yeah, it it doesn't come until it does. We'll see. Hey. I mean, 
I mean, I'm, that's where I am listen, still skeptical. Listen, you're, so. you're in a warm place right now. It's 48 degrees. You won't be able to know the time, the seasons. You won't be, it's freezing here. It's May right now. And yeah, um, yeah. I'm from Buffalo, right? And so yeah. this is normal. Okay, it's a, it's well, it's not normal snow. there. And I'm sure people are bitching and complaining where you are right now about how cold it is. So well, there are some, I mean, we're also talking about how warm it can be, right? I mean, that's the other thing that we're talking about around the world. Um, we're seeing climate change, you know, which definitely registers as something that testifies you know, to. You won't know the seasons. Yes. We're, oh, we, can, right. we, can, we can debate this more next time. All right. Let um, me, tell me what the chart says. All right. <laughs> what the head say? Listen, um, and, and I actually could, that's something I could, I could have a conversation with you about that because I, I, I know a little something about that. I have been studying this for uh, biblical since, exegesis yes since college um that was my my jam and uh and yeah and i think that would be a good discussion because you know i don't believe in the end of the world i know so. I, I believe in it in the sense that uh it's the beginning because the end is never the end because matter cannot be created nor destroyed but it's the end of something that probably needs to come to an end so that's the way i'm looking at yes well, yeah and i think that definitely an end i definitely the- think there will be some endings i mean i think you know I will be amazed if we get past 2050, you know, if I were able to, you know, settle into the future and we're still dealing with the same United States of America. I'd be surprised if we got to 2025. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gird your loins. Okay. Let me say thank you. Woo. (laughs) Appreciate you. Follow him at uh, SF Reynolds on Twitter unlockastrology.com he is uh well rested and ready to take your charts i see i see you (laughs) yeah uh and let me say thank you this has been really a lot of fun but also very enlightening and um it's not what i expected so i appreciate you sam inshallah thank you yeah and eat mubarak to anyone who's celebrating for ramadan and you know who is muslim so you know was it what 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 did you respond to that E Kareem. Okay, E Kareem. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you.